3: Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth and welcome if you are brand new to the show and thank you again for tuning in if you have been a regular listener. So today's episode is definitely one of my favorite guest episodes as of probably this year, maybe the past few months. I mean, I I have so many incredible guests on the show, but I just have to say this one stood out a lot because we really got to dive into a topic that A, I've been very interested and invested in, but also B, something that I feel like would be really helpful for many of you to learn and understand, especially as you navigate your own adult life and relationships. As I mentioned, this is something that I've been pretty interested in over the past few months, or probably just this year in general, But for me specifically, it helped me have a better understanding of why I've done certain things in past relationships or just my current dynamic and also why potential partners and and whoever I'm with may be doing a certain action without really knowing it. And like Jessica says on this podcast, it's not personal to us. It really is just the programming of the person and For me, especially, it has made me more compassionate and empathetic towards people of all kinds, you know, both my friends and anyone I am in a relationship with. So I do think this is very helpful. And especially if you can call yourself out on your own shit and go, Ooh, maybe I am... Having some of those signs, I think that can be a really helpful step to move forward into a more secure attachment if you are not already. So with that being said, a little bit about Jessica. Jessica Da Silva is a licensed marriage and family therapist and attachment coach helping adults end their unhealthy dating patterns and create strong, secure relationships using the attachment theory framework. I want to add as like kind of an FYI, I did discover Jessica through just simply searching about attachment styles on Apple Podcasts, and when I was listening to her talk about fearful avoidant and anxious and avoidant and what happens when they match up or what happens when if you have anxious tendencies and you're with someone that's, let's say, avoidant or if you're with someone that's secure, you can really see how the dynamic can shift and again, for me, it helps me have a better understanding. I'm like, oh, okay, that's why this is happening or this is why that person's reacting a certain way. So it allows me to like pause and stop any kind of bad pattern that I may be uh, tapping into or, you know, again, it's usually very subconscious. So becoming hyper-aware has been a very helpful tool for me over the past few years as I've been just trying to become a better person and become a better partner, a better friend, etc. And before we dive into it, I just want to kind of share a quick overview of what attachment styles and attachment theory is in case you are unfamiliar with it. But more or less, attachment styles are characterized by different ways of interacting and behaving in relationships, and it is something that is pretty much developed during our childhood. The way we are attached to our caregiver or caregivers. And we do primarily talk about kind of more of the insecure attachment styles because there are three of them. And then of course there's the obvious, there's one secure attachment style. But um, I will say in case you are listening right now and you're like, "Ooh crap, I probably have one of the insecure attachments or maybe you know of which one you kind of lean towards, just remember that nothing is ever fixed, okay? Like you can always, improve and move towards secure you can always move towards being whatever better human being looks like to you and that's something that i try to do my best every single day especially as i notice my own patterns come out so with that being said i think this one is going to be really helpful and enjoyable and let's welcome jessica to the podcast Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so stoked to chat about attachment styles in general, but um, and attachment theory. And like I mentioned with you, I discovered your podcast when I was just on, in a rabbit hole on attachment theory and, and all that. So my first question for you though, is, what made you interested in, in attachment styles? You know, take me on the journey from how you got into it and then how you got to kind of, you know, your coaching experience and whatnot.
4: Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Emily. Um, I just love to talk about attachment theory and sharing this with people. So any opportunity, I'm always excited about that. Um, but yeah, my journey started with just having a lot of toxic relationships in my life. Um, and that didn't just start with, you know, my romantic relationships. I always had a very, um, just a dysfunctional family growing up. And you can trace that back to like my grandma with her kids, my great grandma with her kids. So it was just my normal, like toxicity, unhealthy relationship dynamics was just normal to me. And then I realized, wait a second, this is not how I want to live my life. Like there's, and, and you see, you see like good relationships out there. So it's like, wait a second, there's like it's out there. Why can't I experience that? Um, but what happens is that we end up attracting what we are. So if we want to experience something different, we have to become something different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's where the the work and the healing journey came in. So I went to school for um, after my last like, terrible relationship. It was, it got abusive and it was just, it was my rock bottom. Um, I decided, you know what, with this like tiny ounce of hope that I have in myself, like the tiny self-esteem that I have cultivated, I'm going to use that to apply to graduate school for marriage and family therapy. And surprisingly, I got accepted. I applied to one school. I was like, if I make it great, if not, I'm just doomed. My life just sucks. Um, but I got accepted. And from there, I like, I learned all the tools. I worked with people. I was able to implement those strategies in my life. And I started to see a lot of changes. Um, my self-esteem got better. My confidence grew, my self-worth grew. And it was there where I learned about attachment theory as well. Um, and it just made so much sense that like, wow, what I'm experiencing is an attachment style, right? I attach insecurely to people. It's not secure. It's insecure. And I learned that way of love, experiencing love through what my mom taught us through what my grandma taught her. So we can learn to become more secure. And what's great about attachment theory is it kind of gives you a framework of like, okay, well, this is what secure attachment looks like. So I'm like, awesome. Now I have something to like aspire to. <laughs> you know? So that's where it kind of all began. And I've just been, I've been kind of, um, using that vision of like who secure me is to kind of navigate me through this process.
3: And that's funny that you mentioned that framework of secure and like having that to aspire to, because that's for me, honestly, what made me tap into this because A, someone recommended the book Attached. I feel like that's been um, doing extremely well. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard yeah. that lingering around for a lot now and I was observing and I feel like I have this, you know, mild to medium insecure attachment, but then similar to you, my thought process is how can I work towards secure? How can I work on myself and focus on my locus of control, so to speak, because that's all I can do. And I did read that and we'll definitely dive into it. How if you are a secure person and you have that secure attachment, it can really that energy can spread so to speak to, to the partner you're dating and, and, and in all relationships. Right. And so you being a rock can have such a benefit for other people. And that's, again, the main thing I can control. I can't, you know, fix someone else and I can't, you know, redo, undo all of the stuff that has happened in the past. But I think that secure framework and aspiring to be that that's exactly, that was exactly my approach.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And you said that so perfectly. And so many studies even indicate that secure attachments, like if you cultivate that foundation within yourself, that anchor within yourself, mm-hmm. you can be an anchor for other people. Mm-hmm. Like I see my my mom changing a little bit. Wow. I see my sisters changing a little bit. It It really does. You become this model for people. You mm-hmm. really do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I want to touch on, you mentioned how even like of course, our family history and in your case, like your grandma and how that passed down to your mom, I feel like sometimes people fear that that's so embedded in their DNA or genetics, so to speak. What are your thoughts on on that and maybe like how we can not allow that to think that we're doomed Mm. to this
4: kind of uh, programming? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I believe in nature versus nurture, obviously. And there's also studies that indicate that like anxiety, for instance, depression, things like that can be, you know, is genetic. There is a genetic predisposition for that, but also, um, it's you can also change that through the environment that you create for yourself. Right. So if you start, changing your inner environment, meaning the way you talk to yourself, the way you treat yourself, the way you approach yourself, while also changing your outer environment, like who you surround yourself with things like that. I mean, that's what I've been doing. And yes, like the insecurity is still there. It's part of the human experience and we are predisposed to it. I mean, we're just sensitive to that stuff. Right. Um, however, it's gotten so, so, so much better just because of how I have learned to treat myself, right? That, that, um, yeah, the environment that I create for myself. Yeah. So it makes a big difference
3: for those who don't know what anxious or actually any attachment, uh, style is, could you dive into, um, the insecure and the, that one secure yeah. attachment style and kind of maybe just give a general overview of each one?
4: yes so there's the insecure attachments and the secure attachment so there's three insecure attachment styles there's the anxious attachment which basically they love love like they want relationships they're relationship people um they crave deep connection but they're afraid that it's going to abandon them. Mm. Right. So like this underlying fear is what causes the clinginess, the neediness, Mm. the needing so much validation and reassurance from their partner to feel safe and secure. Um, and then you have the dismissive avoidant and dismissive avoidance like they also want love and connection. They just tell themselves that they don't need it or they don't want it. Um, but we all have an innate need for love and connection. Um, it's just that they have this belief that love will consume them, that love will take away their independence, take away their individuality. And they also have this core wound of I'm inadequate. So why would I put myself in a committed situation when I know I'm going to let you down. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to feel like a failure. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's what happens because they usually link up with anxious attachments. And because they aren't capable uh-huh. of meeting the attached, the anxious attachments needs, they automatically feel like that failure and that sense of inadequacy. Mm. So they're like, it's like, they want that love, but they're also deeply afraid of it at the same time. Got it. Yeah. And then there's the avoidant as well. Right. And then there's the fearful avoidant. So fearful avoidance. And that was me for most of my life. Talk about like chaos in your head. (laughs) It's just the fearful avoidance have both anxious and dismissive avoidant tendencies. Mm. So they tend to kind of fluctuate back and forth and it's super inconsistent and unpredictable how it happens. Mm. Um, but they have an underlying fear their attachment wound is i'm going to be betrayed i can trust you like sometimes i trust you other times i don't mm-hmm. so with them they view their attachment figure so whoever they're emotionally connected to they see them as um a source of safety but also a source of fear mm-hmm. so they never feel like they just never feel safe mm-hmm. ever within a relationship they always have to like I don't know. Um, I'm like putting my fist in front of my face, but they're always on guard. Like they're always on guard. If that makes sense. Right. Um, and then there's a secure attachment, which is something we can all, all aspire to. Mm -hmm. Um, but secure attachments again, and there's no perfect secure person. Like no, one's a hundred percent secure. We all fall on a spectrum. Um, but secure attachments generally have good self-esteem. They have trusting relationships They know how to communicate, um, they, you know, they want relationships, but they also know how to set their boundaries overall. They're pretty balanced in that regard. How
3: can we like, so, so someone listening right now, maybe they're like, okay, I definitely am one of these insecure tendencies. What is one step, and again, you went through this experience as well, what is one step that someone could take to begin working towards becoming more secure, right? So let's say someone who is, in this funny too, I would say, I've heard this common trait among some of my girlfriends who are probably on the anxious attachment spectrum, where it's that constant of checking what that person is doing, um, you know, checking the Instagram stories, checking who they're following, like who, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, And I've heard that for many years. And when I read about anxious attachment and some of those common traits. I was like, Oh crap. Now I'm kind of seeing where that comes from for some people. And I'm sure so many would love to kind of relieve that. Like, how can they stop that habit that does not help them whatsoever? Right. What are, what are some ways that people can work towards a more secure attachment?
4: Yeah. Good question. So each attachment style kind of has different things to focus on. Number one, always like learn about your attachment style, right? Learn about what your triggers are, learn your patterns just so that, you know, when you're engaging in those behaviors, um, that's always number one, but for, for anxious attachment specifically, it's bringing that energy back into you. So it's like, anxious attachments often, um, well, first learning how to self-soothe, right. Learning how to self-soothe because we don't want to just impulsively act on our emotions, learning how to self-soothe and then putting that energy back into you. Like the most attractive thing that you can do is to focus on yourself because anxious attachments are often the pursuers. They pursue, 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 and that can feel very, um, you know, that can feel threatening for people, especially avoidance, right? Um, so how can you, you know, how can you bring that love back to yourself? How can you pursue yourself? You know what I mean? So it's again taking that energy, putting it back into you, meeting your own needs. Stop looking to meet your needs outside of you, start to meet your own needs. So getting clear on what those needs are. Is it love? Is it validation? Is it reassurance? How can you give that to yourself as opposed to seeking it outside of you? you're going to be so attractive when you start doing that. Um, for, for avoidance dismissive avoidance, it's about their healing journey is just learning how to allow others into their heart, into their inner world, learning how to be more vulnerable, sitting with that discomfort of like expressing your feelings because that to them is like, First of all they they have a hard time even identifying what their what feelings are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely so dated like, one before. <laughs> really? Yeah, I
3: definitely dated an
4: avoidant. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so they're good at like they're good at conversations. They're good at these like surface level ways of connecting, but when it comes to, you know, feelings and and sharing your, you know, the inner world which is required for relationships or sustainable relationships, um yeah they have to get comfortable with that so just emotional intelligence communicating your needs things like that fearful avoidance um both so both looking to meet your needs but also safely relying on people learning how to trust people learning how to trust yourself um a lot of emotional self regulation like a lot of learning how to self soothe because often that sense of like panic and fear is kind of consuming, not just in relationships, but in a lot of aspects in life. So learning how to regulate yourself. I'm all the time, Emily, I'm like always regulating myself. I'll put my hand on my heart. One of my favorite ways to to self regulate is I'll put one hand on my heart, one hand on like my sacral area. And I'll just tell myself, Hey, Jess, we're safe. We're safe. You're okay. And that's helped so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I love how you
3: gave these different examples because, you know, like, like we all know we're, we're kind of on a spectrum and I think what's unique about knowing and understanding each of these attachment styles is also, like I said, like, you know, I once had a partner that is, or was avoidant and I'm actually funny enough, um, currently dating someone that I would identify as probably fearful avoidant. Um, and so it's very interesting when you're describing, you know, from your perspective as a fearful avoidant, um, that, that like internal struggle almost of, right. Like, I love how you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah. yeah. And, and what's been amazing for me on this experience is le- number one, like learning to understand and be as compassionate as possible for myself and for, for the, my partner and for other people, because we just don't know what it's like in their shoes. You know what I mean? And just even seeing how you share, like, you know, even with your fists up, you're like, oh, it's like, you you know, we were like, we want to learn how to rely on people, but like we sometimes have a hard time trusting. And, you know, I think prior to my personal development journey as a whole, without like stepping in and like learning what some of these, Struggles are for each person, or like for each style, that would be really hard for me to understand. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's really unique that you get to share that in a way where we get to understand ourselves, but also our potential partner or our current partner, or even our friends. Like maybe when they don't text back in a certain time frame, right? Like, That's a great example, right? You know, or something that you may have struggled with or someone, a client of yours. What is your typical advice with how we can, maybe in regards to like a self-soothe in the moment or like kind of a mantra that we can kind of turn on right away and also understanding the different activation and deactivation um, Mm. signs that you mentioned?
4: Mm. Yeah, well... That's what's so cool about attachment theory Mm -hmm. and understanding these attachment styles is that, well, first of all, everyone kind of falls into a category. And again, no one is like limited to just one. We are multidimensional, meaning we can, you know, kind of exhibit behaviors of all. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we can kind of, you know, um, how do I want to say this? We can resonate with one or more of the attachment styles. So understanding that it's not about you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's that they are operating from their own attachment lens. I mean, that has helped me not take things so personally. My partner is, um, you know, he's secure with avoidant tendencies and I understand like And I have a lot of, I have a lot more anxious within me, within the fearful avoidant. And so like for me, I do a lot of thoughtful things because anxious attachments tend to be very good anticipators. We tend to be very thoughtful. We tend to be very observant, right? Like we just want people to be happy. (laughs) So, um, you know, like I'll do a lot of little thoughtful things. My, oh, he's my fiance now, but my fiance He's like, he, it just does not occur to him, you know? And before I could have taken that really personally and been like, you don't love me. It's because you don't love me, Right. but it's not that he doesn't love me. It's just that he doesn't express love the way that I do. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like with your friends too, you know, I, and it's interesting with friendships, I more avoid it. Uh-huh. So, Right. So this is how attachments can really change. Um, with, with my friends, I'm a little bit more avoidant. So I won't text. I won't really call, Mm. but when I see you in person, it's like, nothing's changed. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just kind of attachment theory gives you a language to understand yourself and to understand others and to communicate how you operate. Mm -hmm. I am really curious, obviously a little bit more for myself, but I'm
3: sure um considering fearful avoidant from what I've read statistically is like probably like the the more rare of the insecure right of the two, but they do combine a bit of both. What is your best advice when it comes to dating someone that is fearful avoidant. And I think it's, what's interesting too, is like when you see both and, and again, someone that has no idea about attachment styles. And if they're listening to this, they wait, they might go, Oh crap, that actually might be what it is. Right. Cause avoidant there's just going to be, in my opinion, so many different signals that that are like, okay, they're really avoidant. They, they can't even say like, I love you after X amount of time. You know, like there's so many signs and that's what's funny is because I'm like, well, my partner was very open about that. But then there's like certain things that like that are more avoidant, but he was never afraid yeah. of like saying, I love you, Um, you know, pretty much when it was evident that we both have that those feelings. And so that may be, I think, extremely confusing for someone that is in a relationship with someone like that. And considering you can speak from your own lens, like what is some of your best advice when it comes to being with a partner that is a little bit of both?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, so more so someone fearful avoidant who has these two tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, It takes a lot of patience, first of (laughs) all. I have read and heard that
3: (laughs) patience, (laughs) which I've always sucked at, which is funny how it's almost like life is throwing me this little curveball to train myself on patience because that has probably been the... The, the trait that I lack the most, which is patience. Mm. Um, I'm yes. very like immediate on everything. And this is probably in the long run, really good for me just as a whole to learn and adopt patience as an adult. Cause <laughs> I'm going to need that if I ever have kids. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. Well, this is a good place to start. Yeah. It's definitely patience. Um, understanding, right. Mm. Understanding where they are operating from mm. because there is so much confusion on their behalf. Um, it's just the ambivalence, right? It's like part of them wants to be with you. Part of them like wants to just open up to you completely. But then this other part is like, wait, I have to protect myself Mm -hmm. because I don't know what's going to happen. So it's like, you just get this, like kind of like mixed signals. Sometimes one foot in one foot out, it can feel very confusing to the person on the opposite end. Right. Um, but something that's also really important too, is like setting boundaries Mm -hmm. with them, setting boundaries with them. You know, what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. Um, what are your needs? Mm -hmm. Because that's how you are going to be able to kind of, um, get a sense of how, how this person is committed to you. Mm -hmm. Like, are they actually going to work on their attachment stuff or are they going to, not work on it because with the fearful avoidant, you have to do a lot of inner work. Yeah, You just have to. So, um, I find I have clients right now. Like I have this one secure attached, um, individual who is like, who wants to support his fearful avoidant girlfriend. Uh And she's like, she's kind of doing the inner work, but she's just in a very confused place. Right. And so he just has to kind of, and he's very secure and he just has to kind of wait for her to come back. So she will deactivate a lot. Right. She'll deactivate, take space, withdraw. And so he just has to kind of like be there and support her and be like, yo, I'm waiting for you. Right. Like I am here for you, but it's a very it can be very tiresome, you know, it can be very tiresome. So it just depends on, is this person, is this person actually working on themselves or are they just kind of like, you know? Right. Yeah. And you know,
3: what's interesting, and I'm so curious to hear what your thoughts on this is, I would argue that there's a lot of people and again, this is just from circles of conversations I've had with, you know, in, in social groups about like, you know, dating and relationships. And is this guy worth my time? Is this girl worth my time? Yeah. All these different things. Right. And on the surface level, you might think, Oh, they're doing X, Y, Z, like move on from them because they're not treating me right. All these different things. And then when we have this kind of conversation, we start to see there's so many layers to why they may be doing what they're doing and, it may have nothing to do with you at all. It may be more of what's going on inside, right? So I'm curious on on your perspective and again, because you work with clients as well. How do you learn to to realize like it's it's not always the best approach to be like you know what um, it's not worth it. You know you kind of know what I'm saying. Like you know you know how some yeah. people are just yes. like. And again, it's 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 partially because there's so many options today that we can have easy access to, right? And it's working on that mindfulness of how can I be there for my partner versus like, all right, I'm going to give up on this. I'm going to move on to the next. Right. And I'm, that I'm totally. really intrigued by because of today's dating culture. What are your thoughts on, on that? Especially for you, someone I'm, I'm assuming maybe your partner had to be really patient with you and a client that you're working with. He's learning right now to be extremely patient yes. waiting for her. Whereas maybe a friend of his might be like, Hey man, like, is she worth it? Right. Totally. Like not struggle. Like what are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that because I don't believe on writing someone off immediately. (laughs) Like I don't, (laughs) I just, I feel like that's just, and, and here's the thing, like if it comes to your non-negotiables, meaning like, okay, is this person like super arrogant or abusive or disrespectful, then sure. Like see you later alligator. Right. Like I do believe in, you know, you have to have your non-negotiables for like really, really important things. Yeah. But if it's, you know, if they're a little bit avoidant or if they're a little bit anxious or a little bit fearful avoidant, right? Like yeah. they have some of those tendencies. Okay. Why don't you see how this person is navigating that? Mm-hmm. Are they working on it? Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing is when I met my, my, my partner, um, I was already doing the work. Yeah, Like I was doing the work and I slipped into my insecure ways. Like there was one time where I like exploded and I was a monster of a person, Uh like monster of a person. And he was like, Hey, Jess, he set a boundary with me. He's like, that's not, that's got that's not going to go like, that's not going to fly. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and, and that's why it's super important to set your boundaries Mm. because if that person wants you, Mm -hmm. they're going to work on it. They are. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I was like, nope, I cannot, I cannot operate like that anymore. I have to work on these certain things and these certain behaviors and these certain triggers. So just know that your boundaries always, always set your boundaries because that's going to tell you who is willing to really work for you who's really committed to you mm-hmm. it's such a good way to filter people out such a good way to filter people out
3: yeah and and from your perspective as well and from your client work would you say that's almost like the same perspective for someone that works on themselves in the way of like being there for their partner so let's say someone that is more secure that has Um, you know, a, an anxious avoidant or fearful avoidant partner, someone that's willing to kind of like your client, uh, you know, wait and like be that solid rock for them. Would you say from your lens, that's also a good Testament, so to speak as to like
4: the strength of that person in the relationship? Yeah. Oh my God. A hundred percent, because it takes, again, it it takes that secure person to also help, their partner or whoever it is that they're, you know, that they're uh, committed to. Right. Um, it takes a secure person to help the other person become more secure. Mm-hmm. Right. So his patience, yeah. his devotion, his like kind of unconditional love in this phase, cause it's not going to be forever. Right. Like we talked about, you know, you have to set a boundary. You can't let this person just take advantage of you and disrespect you because that's essentially what's kind of happening. But, um, you know, you have to set a limitation for yourself as well, where it doesn't, or self sacrifice doesn't turn into self neglect, right? Like there's right. a difference, right? Yeah. So boundaries, yeah. always, always, always. In yeah. regards to that time frame,
3: so to speak, that you just mentioned, how do you usually like? What? How do you break that down in terms of like, for example, like how do you not seem like an asshole where you're like, all right, I'm giving you until. November 20th, right? That kind of thing where it's like, all right, this isn't a business. This isn't a project, right? But like, how do you kind of measure it when it comes to relationships? And I think this is great for friendships too, right? When you have conflict, you know what I mean? I think this is applicable in all kinds of relationships when, you know, one person is struggling a bit more, one person needs to be patient, one person needs to kind of work on things and you kind of need to see progress during that time period. But how does one know, or or what kind of guideline can we use to be like, all right, this is how long I'm able to
4: Mm. give to
3: this person.
4: Yeah. And I feel like that is just so personal and subjective to each person. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. this client, for instance, you know, he's what he's willing to do. I don't think I would be willing to do. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it, it just really does vary depending on the person. Um, yeah, it really does vary depending on the person, but the thing too, is if you do set your boundaries and you find that, okay, it got disrespected once, it got violated twice. Mm-hmm. It got ignored the third time. You just have to kind of keep track on that and notice, is this a pattern? Got it. Right. Mm. Is this a pattern? If you notice it's like a pattern, meaning it's continuous, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a cycle. Mm -hmm. Then that's kind of like, all right, I have a choice. Do I want this cycle to continue because this person isn't doing anything to really end it or do I leave? Right. So notice the patterns. Yeah. And that is really
3: interesting that you said, and I, I agree it's true, right? It's subjective to each person on how much they're willing to do. And I and I think that's that's the biggest thing though. It's like it's coming back to, you know, I've something I've always been adamant about myself, especially from my last relationship, is to always prioritize myself so that I'm never self-neglecting. And I think that's probably the, the biggest strength that I have is I'm continuously living my life in a healthy way, regardless of if I'm in a relationship or not. Um, but I think that's sometimes usually a big sign for people. So especially when you're younger and maybe have not developed some of those tools yet is like looking at, okay, wait, how has your time
4: been spent? How's your health? How's your emotional well-being? I think yeah. all of those are signs. A hundred percent. Yeah. And checking in with yourself. I love checking in with myself daily and being like, okay, how am I feeling? How am I doing today? Like what's going on here? What can I change? Um, something that's really interesting too, is, you know, also noticing your tolerance for pain, because if you have experienced, um, like abuse growing up or like mental, emotional, whatever it is, your tolerance for that shit is high. So you will stay in often really toxic, unhealthy relationships just because you have a higher tolerance for that behavior. So just kind of noticing, you know, getting really clear on what it is that you want, what it is that you want to experience, not based off of your past, not based off of what you can handle, but based off of what you truly desire. Yeah. Ooh, that is a good one, and that is so true, right? Like
3: looking at what you have experienced and recognizing that you may have a high tolerance for that from your past, but that doesn't mean that you should remain in a cycle like that where you allow people, yeah, to treat you in that in that way. That's that's a big point. Um, I do want to dive really quickly into a little bit of like your relationship experience because you did mention you you've been through a lot in the relationship regard and. I'm curious to know what would be kind of like your your biggest or top two pieces of advice when it comes to navigating the struggle of, you know, A, the ups and downs of a relationship as well as just like breakups, right? Because I know you mentioned you had past relationships and now you um, are in a probably more healthy relationship than your other ones. And so what would be your advice to kind of like your younger self in a way? Mm. Oh my gosh. Especially yeah, I'd say like starting with how does one navigate the ups and downs, right? Because again, um, yeah. you know, we we all know that relationships are not easy and and sometimes I have heard people my age go, "Oh, you know, if if X, Y, Z is happening in the beginning and it's not meant to be, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that statement necessarily right. checks out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think, yes, you should be able to naturally feel something different than some other people you've experienced. But um, I, I think it's, it's also knowing that a successful couples do have ups and downs. So hearing that yes. as a common thing, but number two, hearing how they navigate it from their experience.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have known about relationship anxiety (laughs) before. Like we always hear about, I mean, anxiety, right. That's huge, but like, I never heard it in regards to relationship, like relationship anxiety. And I'm a very anxious person as it is, So I wish I would have learned, um, what anxiety looks like in my relationships. And what's so great about attachment theory is that it's all based on relationship anxiety, right? So like my fearful avoidant, when I feel anxious in my relationship, I want to run, but, but then I know I want to come back. (laughs) So instead of like acting on those impulses, acting on those, uh, anxieties, how can i remain calm right how can i find safety how can i just be present in my relationship as opposed to kind of like creating these sabotaging behaviors so um and also something that's really helped too is not seeing my partner as the enemy <laughs> like, uh huh uh huh he's not the enemy um, and again, he's operating from his own attachment lens. Yeah. Um, also really helpful that like, you know, keeping in mind that I am my own individual and he's his own individual and we can be in a relationship and not be enmeshed. Like we can be in a relationship and I can have my life and he can have his life. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I want to say yeah. is just trust that no matter what happens, like, yes, you know, I believe he's loyal to me. Um, you know, we're getting married, Mm -hmm. but I don't have any control over the outcome who knows what will happen. So like set, like creating that strong relationship with yourself, knowing that whatever happens, you got yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think I worked on that so much, Emily, that like, I just feel so damn secure that if something were to happen, I know from the bottom of my heart, I will be okay. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's just, I don't want to be preoccupied about my relationship. I don't want to just focus on the state of my relationship. Right. There's so much life to live. Right. You know? Yeah. I feel like that advice too, is extremely applicable
3: for breakups because I find that A lot of times, and and I went through this myself when I was in my early 20s in college, where um, when you go through the most difficult breakup, you feel like you lose a sense of yourself. And that's when you realize like that was that was my realization. And the whole personal development journey was like, ooh, I really have to maintain myself at all times, no matter what stage I'm in for a relationship or if I'm casually dating, no matter what that is, like I stay the constant. You know what I mean? Because yes. other people may come and go and things happen in life. Um, but I, yeah. I, I res- really resonate with that because that helps me. And again, I, I'm sure like you, like we sway at times. Sometimes it's it's not consistently, but that's why you kind of have to like continuously work out at it in a way, right? You kind of build that muscle continuously, um, especially while you are in a relationship.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know breakups are such a, it's such a good example of, it's such a good example of how we've lost ourselves. You know, it kind of shows us how far we've kind of drifted away. And that's what happens in relationships. We naturally like want to enmesh and become one and like, sure, that's beautiful, but like, oh my God, the the consequences of that can be detrimental, you know? So you always have to maintain that individuality, even if you have to like remind yourself, even if it doesn't feel natural or if it doesn't feel as good, always, always, always maintain your individuality. You have to have that. Mm -hmm. You have to.
3: All right. Last two questions. Um, a book recommendation that you have, whether it's relationship related or could be just anything that you have read or two books, whatever works, um, that was transformative for you and that you feel like would be a great book for
4: fellow young women. Yeah. So I, um, well, power of attachment by Diane Poolheller mm. I really love that one. Um, love me, don't leave me is really great too. Um, also another book that I really like, and I would read all of her books, but it's by Byron Katie, Byron Katie. I need your love. Is that true? Anyways, so amazing. She, um, she just challenges everything. I I love operating from this like gray space um, you know, nothing is black and white. Everything is kind of gray, right? Um, humanity, humanity lives in the gray, compassion lives in the gray. Um, and so she just kind of challenges everything, which is really cool. So if you're kind of questioning things, if you're in doubt, um, if you take a lot of things personally, if you have depression or anxiety, read her books by Ren Katie, it's transformational.
3: Yeah. Okay. I would definitely, we have um, like this Instagram story highlight where we share, where we share guest recommendation okay. books. So that will definitely, those three will be there. Yes. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, one last question I ask every guest and, you know, in reflection of, you know, your life, your relationships, everything you've kind of been through, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in
4: life? Oh my gosh. Your questions are so good. Um <laughs> They're all do I, I love it. I love I'm very introspective. It. I love it. Um, I would say honestly, this work, this work, um, I've done so many things in my life, and I could just do this all day, every day. I literally have to like tell myself to to break and to do yeah. something else because I could just I think it's just sharing this information and mm-hmm. connecting with other people about it. Um, and hearing people like just have these aha moments, you know what I mean? Um, where like the pieces connect because I feel like life is just so life is just so crazy and so unpredictable and so uncertain. So like, I just feel like this information is, is helpful for people and it brings peace to people. So it makes me feel, makes me feel good. Yeah. Fulfills me.
3: Oh, that's amazing. And, and like I said, I, I genuinely enjoy listening to your podcast and learning from you and, you know, everything I've learned so far. So thank you for what yeah. you do. Yeah,
4: oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Where,
3: where can everyone find you? Share your Instagram and your website and any um, resources that you share that could be helpful for listeners.
4: Yeah. So I have a free attachment style quiz that you can find on my website. It's jessicadasilvacoaching.com. And it actually calculates the different attachment styles you have, not just Mm -hmm. one. Um, and then I also have one-on-one coaching attachment coaching. And then I also have a course. So if you have an anxious, fearful, avoidant, or dismissive, avoidant attachment style, and you want to learn to become more secure, um, I have a self-paced eight week course that you can learn more about on my website. And then my Instagram is at the Jessica De Silva. And I have a TikTok jessica da silva coaching so i'm everywhere (laughs) it's all over the place (laughs) i will link all of it in the show notes
3: and so they can find you and learn more from you cool thank you so much emily and that was all for today's episode on all things attachment theory and attachment styles with jessica da silva If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share this with a friend, especially this one. I think this could be really helpful for your friends to have a better understanding of why their partner is being a certain way, as well as why they may be doing a certain pattern and it might not be healthy for their relationship. So do your friend a favor, just send it to them, have them learn and have them understand, and of course share on your Instagram story and tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills You. As always, I really do appreciate it and enjoy seeing that you guys love the podcast. And before you head out, this week is Thanksgiving, so I just want to say a big gratitude to you guys and a thank you for being listeners of this show and if you want to check out the card game and all the fun merch and any sale that's going on you can check out everything online at whatfulfillsyou.com everything is linked in the show notes so again whatfulfillsyou.com for the card game and all of the fun merch thanks again for tuning in today I will chat with you all in the next episode